Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. episode 159 this is bar down breakdown you're here again with mikey underscore clt you're here with tommy underscore vvv and you're also here with georgie to the p that's our homie george powell and uh he uh operates the very very awesome limelight podcast uh which uh we've listened to a bunch of episodes of and we're all about Uh, he's also in a great band called poeta and we're super stoked to have him on uh, so, George, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to do this with us. Uh, how is your Monday so far? It's it's like every other Monday. Nobody likes Mondays. <laughs> but now that this is the icing on the cake, I am very satisfied with the day. I used so. to be the only person that loved Mondays because I'm such a huge pro wrestling fan. And I used to like absolutely like couldn't wait for Monday Night Raw. But I've all but stopped watching like the WWE over the past couple of years. So now I have nothing on Mondays to really look forward to. So this is, this is a great thing uh, for, for, for Monday because uh, I just, you know, it's, it's a Monday, it's a bummer, but not a bummer now because not anymore, baby. George, yeah. man, we're, we're super stoked to have you on. So cool. Let's just like kind of dive right in. Um, So, you know, we're kindred spirits here in that we both have, um, you know, undertaken the not always so glamorous, um, job of uh, hosting a podcast, right? So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of ups and downs, uh, but, you know, for what it's worth, um, it, re- it is really cool to kind of get to look at subjects, you know, kind of in a different respect 
uh, that you really love. You know, for us, it's music and hockey. Um, but, you know, I'd love to kind of hear about um, how you decided uh, to start the Limelight podcast and kind of where it came from and, uh, you know, how how it kind of broke ground. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm honored. This is pretty cool. Uh, don't really do live stuff too much anymore. That's so now I'm even a little bit more excited than <laughs> normal when I do this kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Um, and that intro song is absolutely catchy. So, I mean, I, I could, if you got that on like a download or something, just send it my way so I can just oh, like, dude, put it on. <laughs> we, we blast Keep Flying on here all the time. Those are our homies and we love them. And I will definitely send you their stuff. Please, but yeah, please do. It's funny that you comment on our intro because I, as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my God. George's intro is so much better than ours. Like, did you do that yourself, that. dude? Absolutely not. Oh, I was going to say, man, that is like Absolutely so impressive. Not. Now, my friend Clint Tustin, uh, he is a genius. He was in Galactic Empire for a little bit, that uh, cover metalcore band. And he does a lot of like videography, um, cinema 4D kind of artwork. And I hit him up immediately. He works with August Burns Red a lot too. He's nice. around the Philadelphia area. So it's like, I was like, dude, I just need like something real quick, two versions. And I think it took him like a week. And I was like, perfect. That's it. That's all I need. Let's go. So I might yeah, be sliding into his DMs too. Yeah, hit him up. Oh, dude, his aesthetic is amazing. Very talented individual. Um, but yeah. But uh, so this podcast starting, right. Uh, the initial question, don't want to derail. So in a sense, in a sense, um, Poeta was writing our sophomore album and then the pandemic happened. Um, dude, we tried to get into the studio, like nobody knew what was going on in general as like how crazy this virus was and everybody was completely locked down, business was shut, yada, yada, yada. So, um, we obviously had to delay that and working my full-time job in a sense. And not only doing that, I had nothing to do musically besides playing my drums at home. And I've always kind of had the idea of just starting a podcast because I just, I, when I'm at local shows or just shows in general, I could just literally talk to anybody and whether it's a brick wall or a human being. So I just want to, <laughs> I just want to, you know, pick people's brains and just and, and like try to like, you know, get to know who they are personally or just enjoy the same things, things that we love. So long story short, I, I hit up a lot of people DM like just or emails because I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never started a podcast before. I have all of my credentials and stuff. And I have a, had a couple of friends obviously help me out. Uh, and the first guest that got back to me, which I think was like months after I did DM, was Kevin Lyman. So that that's a pretty was sweet first person to get back to you. An honorary first guest. I said, yeah. And then when I kind of like followed up with, hey, Kevin Lyman is my first guest, then everybody started coming in. So I was like, okay, cool. Now. Now I got to do this. I got to get into this full time. So I did. Yeah. So, and here we are. I think I'm like, what, like 70 episodes in or something. I don't know. So I'm getting there slowly, but surely, but I awesome. just had fun talking to our scene and trying to, you know, get everybody involved somehow and do some research and, you know, make sure that whatever we're talking about is what the people want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> so, oh, for sure. I'm, and that, cool. And that's awesome. And I mean, you know, a lot of things were kind of born out of the, out of the pandemic. And, you know, we, we, we like to say on the show, we've said it probably a bunch of times that, you know, of all of the terrible things that surrounded the pandemic and that was the pandemic, um, you know, some of the best things to happen out of it was that, um, 
you know, some of our favorite artists were able to kind of create some really great stuff. And, um, and that was kind of one, you know, one thing out of it. And for us too, as a podcast, I mean, truthfully, we don't like to talk about it a lot because it kind of is like macabre in a sense, but like that pandemic really helped us out as a podcast because there were so many great artists that were just sitting home and not doing anything. And when we were like, Hey, do you want to talk about music and hockey? And people were like, yeah, I'd love to do anything other than watch Netflix or like, you know, like, you know, Uber eats groceries to my house. So, you know, we were very fortunate to have, you know, during that time, Jake from August Burns read on, you know, who, you know, could have just kind of, you know, shoot us aside and been like, yeah, these guys are small, you know, small peanuts, but you know, uh, it was great. You know, it was really kind of a great thing. So, um, you know, did you guys kind of find that, um, you know, you kind of had a little bit more accessibility during the pandemic to people like that more people were kind of open to having conversations and just, you know, kind of being able to talk about music at a time when people weren't playing it as much. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was also still getting artists that were coming through that were still releasing albums to the pandemic because they that was just on their timeline. Yeah, so sure. it was fairly easy to kind of like contact, you know, like the professionals and stuff too, because they're really not doing anything. They're, they're standstill at a point and they're not touring. So why not take advantage of this? And, um, you know, and all the conversations I had were great. Like, although I was some stranger that had like no engagement right out of the gate in the beginning, um, you know, I was like, five episodes in, um, I felt very, um, honored just to even have that conversation with them and give me that trust factor. Yeah. So it's cool. So those first like 10 people were definitely like probably the biggest, um, the biggest like, uh, steps to help me mm -hmm. get this started. Uh, awesome. especially because I cut two clips, one from Kevin Lyman, which was like warp tour 2021 kind of got that in, out of his head. And then James Polygi with harm's way with the running man meme. Yeah. <laughs> people mm -hmm. love that meme. Oh so. yeah. So that also went viral though. So I'd love to kind of chat a little bit about um you know your your presence on on TikTok, right? So um oh, you know yeah. I guess out of the gate did you decide that you know TikTok was going to be kind of the preferred medium to you know kind of promote and and get the word out about uh Limelight or did it just kind of like happen organically, you know, or like, did it just come to fruition where you were just like, wow, like, you know, TikTok has really kind of helped me engage a lot and help me reach people. Or was it always kind of the plan from when this started for you? It was definitely later on for sure. Uh, Cause mm -hmm. the podcast is going to be two years old in April and I've only been doing TikTok for a year, oh, okay, like, sure. literally a month ago. So it was like mm -hmm. another year. The reason why I did is because we had really slow engagement at one point. Although I was like really, you know, getting good conversations and making clips and putting chapters in the YouTube algorithm mm -hmm. the, for whatever reason, like and I'm promoting it here and there and Reddit and Facebook, it wasn't doing anything. So I called my co-host at the time, who's now my bass player, input is Zach Keeley. He's nice. not a bass player. He's not that good. He he's <laughs> not. But no, I love you, Zach. He's watching. Um, he is. And he, he, he did put you on blast saying that you're a huge hockey fan. Ooh. <laughs> I will see if that's true later on. I mean, I like hockey. I, it's just hard for me to follow. Um, but yeah, so I bought a ring light from Best Buy and I sent a picture. I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, but I'm going to start doing it. And he's like, do what? I was like, take a wild stab in the dark. And it was TikTok, obviously. But again, if you go back to my first video, it's super cringe. And uh, the one thing that really I wanted to put it out there for was promoting the podcast in a sense. Um, 
but it's really hard to get people from TikTok over to the podcast sometimes. If you almost if you do clips and this and that. So I understand the algorithm, but uh dude, <laughs> people just want playlists and new tunes. <laughs> so I just keep throwing that out there. Plus, like I didn't know there was a whole community been doing it for a couple of years already. So I was like, oh, like I'll do something new. Where I'll just suggest bands. So I'm sure nobody's done that before. And then as my algorithm starts to understand like what my content is, then they start feeding me like, you know, the mosh talk and mm -hmm. all the other influencers on there i'm like oh so i you know i'm not doing anything innovative right now but hey <laughs> people like what i have to say so yeah man like dude and it's just it's a crazy ride and i think like and and i, and I love it too but uh, my fan base that has followed me over the time and the community that we built together it's just very authentic which is great so it, the the but anytime i release some kind of content it just gets out pretty strong right out the gate so i'm very thankful for that and uh but dude, it's like one of the biggest tools right now. It's not, insane. Yeah. So like you you gotta use it in a sense. Like you gotta figure it out. I, I mean, I think one of the most unbelievable things about TikTok is um how it's almost revolutionized like the top 40 music industry. Uh, I mean, when you when you turn on FM radio, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't do it often, but you know, occasionally my wife does, but like almost everything on on FM radio that has any sort of um, traction is stuff that like got popular on TikTok. It, it's it's like wild to me. Like you use um like like someone like Doja Cat as an example, right? Or mm -hmm. um or like a, or like an Ashniko or like you know some of these artists that um you know were like purely independent, and then all of a sudden you know they had a a track or two uh, just kind of catch fire on TikTok, and uh, all of a sudden they're you know seeing tremendous success and record deals and millions of dollars and you know get opportunities to play the grammys or the vmas and all this stuff and that all came from this one application and and i think there's something so uh wild about that um and i mean like i'm sure you've seen it too you know being that you, you know, you've spent a year on tiktok pretty pretty extensively um you know like what wh what's your take on that like what's your take on you know pop music kind of transitioning into something that is almost like fully fueled by this one app i mean if you, if nobody i mean i suggest everybody should do it I, honestly like i think for like seven to eight months i didn't even speak into a microphone and the engagement was there so it was just all editing in a sense but i i strongly suggest like artists or people in general to get on the app for whatever you're promoting whether it's you know your business or a brand that you're representing it's just one of the most powerful tools out there i mean We've seen bands like Magnolia Park and Meet Me at the Altar blow up on this app, and like their tour with Mayday Parade. Uh, speaking of Magnolia Park, and um, and then after that they're gonna be touring with Sum Forty One and yeah. Simple Plan. It's just absolutely insane, um, and it's done wonders for me too because I also have made friends with a lot of the professionals out there. Um, I I'm possibly gonna be doing a DJ emo night soon, or you know I you know go hang out with other artists who. In, like in general want to come on the podcast and they reach down to me now which i think is the coolest fucking thing so i'm just meeting a bunch of new friends but i think like it's kind of common sense now if you're not doing it unfortunately you're shooting yourself in the foot but like i see you guys on tiktok and you're making great content and like the whole way out's great it's just everybody's got to just get on it eventually um i'm sure there'll be something next afterwards you know i don't know what that is but i'm sure like you know right now this is basically the one tool you got to use or else it's like, you know, it's, it's just been proven. 
over so long. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just want people to understand that, like, you got to find your, your niche, your creativity, and just, just go for it. It's not easy. <laughs> like, I was sweating, you know, about to talk into a microphone in front of a well, TikTok guy. I was going to ask that because Tom and I are 35 years old, and we feel very old using the app. Like, at least I do. I feel so so old and i'm like <laughs> a dad and i'm like why am i on this but i know i have to be on this so like yeah, yeah. Do, do you feel that way too at times like all the, oh, time. I, all the time all right so i'm not alone in thinking that. all the time I, I just turned 30 last year so it's like you know i'm like oh you know i won't use it as an excuse but it's just like to not do it but it's like you know like dude one of the most it wasn't hate but it was like a realization video but some of our favorite pop punk and emo songs turned 20 or the albums turned 20 and people were just like, Oh fuck you, dude. No, you didn't. Like the algorithms coming my for my throat. Like I'm going to bed. Absolutely not. And it's like, you know, bands that you didn't really expect, like New Found Glory taking back Sunday. So it's like, yeah, sorry to burst your bubble, but it's just a fact. I did expect that because like, (laughs) I, I actually sometimes just go back and watch like newfound glory when they're at their peak and they were playing like Jay Leno and like th- those kind of late night shows where yeah. nowadays I don't think that they even have as much pull those late night shows as they used to. And like newfound sure. glory was playing them and they looked like babies. Like Chad looked like a little baby. And like I'm like, all right, yep. They're about 20 years old, these songs. And, and it makes sense. Yeah, and we don't see a lot of those scene bands like really on those late night shows anymore. Like Turnstile was on recently. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, which was fucking awesome. Um, and then I want to say this was years ago, but Asking Alexandria when they released uh, Reckless and Relentless, I was like freaking out. I was like, yes, like we need this out there. Like, but we didn't really have a platform to do that. I think that's why TikTok is like so innovative because it's very, it's very specific to the users. Um, liking so if you're in that community if you're in that scene and you like that type of music it's very easy to put you in this bubble and just have that content out there where it's constantly engaging so very smart tool now i I guess my question for you is and and you kind of hinted at it with like the carry over from tiktok to then someone actually going to your youtube and watching your interviews or going onto like spotify and checking out your playlist or actually going and checking out Poeta, like, have you seen some correlation? Because, you know, let's not, like, discredit the following that you have on TikTok. Like, you you have more TikTok followers than state champs. Like, do I really? You do. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's, like, I, that, that's so weird. And they actually, t- I tagged them in a video. It was like bands live versus studio or studio version versus live. So I went to one of their concerts, so. That's pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, so like that—that's—that's that's legit. Like that—that's gotta have some pull. Are you are you seeing that translate? Like in the podcast world, because I I have seen it in the music world. Like like you mentioned, Magnolia Park, that band, Loveless, um, Brave Weather. Those are bands that are blowing mm-hmm. up on TikTok right now. And when you go and check out their Spotify monthly listens, like they're also blowing up on that as well. Yeah, see, that's the thing. So when I initially started, it was more music suggestions. And every once in a while, I will put a podcast clip in there. Um, I've seen the podcast clips come through my algorithm. It's mine's not what theirs looks like. I think that's something I have to take into consideration. 
but mostly what they want is um new music which is fine like i'm not worried about it like i appreciate their trust in my opinion with putting out music um but the, the crazy thing is like overnight i see significant numbers like i did some tests to try to get some social media marketing jobs at some companies around where i live and such and blah blah blah, blah. and i'm working with a couple of artists right now um but uh dude like one video like will change their numbers on spotify within 24 hours like mm -hmm. poeta's numbers went up significantly like dude we were at like <laughs> one of my biggest videos like i want to say like last year we were at like 238 monthly listeners because we were stagnant and like we had we lost all of our, all of our momentum when we were done with warp tour and the pandemic and then i had us in a, in a collab video with like seven other artists and it went from like 200 monthly listeners to 7,000 in 48 hours and then it shot back down to now it's like hanging out around two so <laughs> musicians need to really get on there plus like I dude, it's a crazy story. It's like we played a show recently at House of Independence with our friends and uh, the ones you forgot. But I went to a bar afterwards, and uh, this dude looked like straight up like Post Malone. And I said that like to one of my buddies, uh, my buddy's girlfriend, while we were hanging out there. And he kind of like overheard me. And he's like, "Yo, did you say I like look like Post Malone?" I was like, "Yeah, dude, you kind of do actually." And he's like, "Yo, did you ever see that one video with where the kids in his car and his friends play uh, his song on the radio or something?" I'm like. I think so. Yeah, it kind of rings a bell. And he's like, do you know the name Luya? I was like, yeah, I actually do. You heard that one song. He's like, yeah, that's me. I was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. And like, even TikTok's blowing him. It's just like the craziest thing is just like see these creators in person now and the things that it's done for them. Like, he had that video blow up on TikTok and he played like a sold out show at House of Independence like in a week. Like, what? <laughs> it's insane. I think it's perfect for music. I think it's perfect for any business, any content creating opportunity you just gotta do it yeah no I, I i would i would agree with that i i think that um you know even if it's something that you're not um you know super familiar with you know kind of gaining that familiarity and just uh giving yourself the opportunity to be on that platform just to you know to reach people uh is really important but uh so i have a i have a question drummer to drummer um you know i mean you guys got an an incredible get in in dale crover <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, you know, the, the, the fucking guy is the drummer of the Melvins. Um, you know, that's <laughs> that was incredible. Zach's doing, dude. That was Zach's doing. So, Zach yeah. Austin, Tomo Fujita, and he got uh, he got one more. He definitely got one more. I can't remember the other one, but that was all him. So, but I mean, like, what was it like, you know, having a conversation with, with someone like that? I mean, like, you know, for me personally, you know, the, the fact that he played with the Melvins is, is incredible enough, but... Um, you know, the fact that he played with Nirvana was, you know, like, like that's something that is, is unbelievable. But uh, what was that conversation like? Like, you know, what did that kind of feel, you know, being a drummer, kind of in the presence of a drummer like that? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't there for that conversation. Oh, you weren't there for that. Oh, okay. No, but I thought you, in, yeah. yeah, it was in one of those things where I actually couldn't make it. I was like, Zach, you can like run it for me if you want to. So I sent him like all over the overlays and such. Yeah. But um, that was one I really looked forward to, to talking to about. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those things where work schedule found the place and oh he also got billy sheehan which like that dude oh, wow. is an absolute yeah. monster on the bass mm -hmm. like that I don't, he was actually like playing bass like while we were having conversation through through the <laughs> podcast i was like this is so fucking sick dude like mm -hmm. i but like i let zach like run those podcasts in full um but i i haven't had much drummers on 
as I'd like to. And I'm trying to. I'm just honestly, I think it's just the PR companies coming to me and like I'll listen to what they send me. And if I like it, I will definitely bring them on and try to have a conversation. Sure. Of course. Um, right the gate. Um, do you still what do you what do you play now, Tom? Um, uh well, I, so I, I'm a drummer. Um I although I, I kind of have to I guess say that loosely because ever since I moved to Orlando, I haven't really uh, had the opportunity to play. But you know, back when I lived on Long Island. I was in a couple of different bands, you know, I was in, um, you know, like kind of a sort of a power poppy Weezer sort of band. I was in a post hardcore band. I was in a more like a more punky band, a more indie band. I mean, I, I did a lot of stuff and had a lot of um, kind of a lot of deep connections there, which I, I definitely miss. But I mean, I've been playing drums since I'm eight. And even though I haven't played in a while, I'm sure if you put sticks in my hand, I could still make some make some noise. Absolutely. Uh, Riding a bike, dude. Yeah, Same for thing. sure. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I always appreciate getting the opportunity to to talk to other percussionists. And, uh, you know, just because um, a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people get the wrong idea about drummers that aren't musicians. They just think like we're the kind of the idiots that sit there and sort of just go boom and go bang and and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I guess this is probably a good a time as, as ever to transition into talking a little bit about Poeta. So uh, you, you're the, you're the, the drummer and percussionist for Poeta, correct? hundred percent. The awesome. original drummer and percussionist. There's so, never been another one. So let's talk about that. So, um, you know, give me some insight, uh, you know, about Poeta. How did you guys, uh, you know, kind of come to come to start the band and, you know, kind of maybe give me a little bit of the the lead up up to the genesis of how how, uh, you know, that project started for you guys. It's an honor and a privilege to be with those collective uh, gents in this band. Um, mm -hmm. Very talented individuals. We all hold something very special that um, basically like is a huge asset to the band, which is like really hard to find. But from the genesis part of it, we basically, I was hopping around like New Jersey to find a band to play with back in like 2014, 15. Um, I had a metalcore band. We played an early ball stage on Warp Tour for about the bands. We broke up, went like, you know, show to show, tried to find musicians. And our vocalist, Kevin, was in a basement and I was jamming with him and like three other people, but he got the invite. Um, so we all jammed out and then he didn't want to be a part of it. He just didn't feel the vibe for it. So I was like, cool. Yeah, whatever. And he sang, I can't specifically remember what he sang, but whatever he sang in that basement to show off his talent, he just has this high tenor. And I was like, holy shit, this kid's got a gift. So unfortunately he just like, didn't, you know, he didn't want to be what we were working on as the project. So I said, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he texted me when I was on my way to, to a job uh, on the on the train to Philly. He's like, mm -hmm. hey, man, like, I really love uh, your drumming and shit and blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> you're super fucking talented. And I just wanted yeah. to know if, like, you wanted to start a band. And I was just like, holy shit, this is it. Like, this is this this is going to be the start of my music career. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to get my feet wet in this industry now, finally. Yeah. So, um, because of, you know. And we started jamming in a garage, started writing um he brought on anthony uh they played in another band called i think it was called call me kings or something like way back in the day post hardcore band they you know they did a cover saves and obviously with this high tenor um but uh <laughs> yeah and then uh you know we we recorded in a studio with my friend bruce he's out in california now doing big things i love it for him i'm so stoked for him um but uh you know did it in his in his parents basement recorded that um uh, got management out of it, got signed to CI Records out of it, released the album in uh, 
2017 or or late 2016 no it was definitely 2017 it was march and okay. then uh yeah we 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 went on world tour for like 10 awesome. days That's so great. it was it was a very fast paced oh yeah uh, i'm sure situation <laughs> and the pandemic was just like all right we're gonna stop right now i was like fuck we were doing so well so <laughs> yeah i mean um, I'd, I'd love to just uh r- real quick just get a, like you know talk about you guys having the opportunity to do warp tour you know that's 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 pretty pretty wild um you know kind of what was what was that experience like I, and just to put a time is this the last warp tour that you guys played second to last second to last one wrong. okay second okay. to last full country one besides the um besides the festival one that they did in 2018 for the 25th anniversary uh, as you can tell maybe i don't know but like my part of the band is like branding and brand awareness um mm-hmm. i don't know if that correlates to any of the content that i do but <laughs> that was my main job so basically like skull candy was doing this promotion where um they were sponsoring bands uh i think they were picking three so um i signed us up for it and we played one show and it's like the whole voting thing or whatever um but we played a show uh, at the knitting factory in brooklyn new york with two other bands one of them was owl uh super fucking cool prog instrumental like rock band all band mm-hmm. um they didn't care they were just there to see the show so the competition was just between us and small talks <laughs> and um <laughs> in an unfortunate fortunate way uh we did win overall um but then things got complicated and uh they put both bands on the tour now we are on the east coast we're from new jersey i'm from philadelphia but they put us out in the midwest Hmm. so we did the midwest for 10 days and uh dude just the experience in general uh being on that tour was an honor and a privilege just you know meeting just meeting other like people you know in bigger bands smaller bands yeah uh, roadies like it was just i felt so at home sure. um it was it was one of my biggest goals i've ever had to do but like skull canes hooked us up like we had a bandwagon we had a per diem like we weren't getting awesome. guarantees but like it doesn't matter you're like a small band from new jersey and yeah, whatever you want to call it, and you're on and you're playing the first you're the first band playing every day for 10 days sure Fuck yeah i'll take that what do you mean absolutely so, dude like i mean i like I said, it was an honor and a privilege, and it's a shame that the whole tour is completely done. But you know, all good things come to an end, and it's like I'm just very, I'm just very thankful I was a part of that process. But I don't know how many times you guys have been on warp tour, like to just go for the shows. But too many. Um, it's just, it's <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we all miss it, you know. Um, oh, yeah. There's some goofy people that work on that tour too, which is like, with I made friends with all those goofy fucking people, so it's like. <laughs> It was cool, man. And everybody works their dicks off. Like, oh, yeah. like everybody just works so hard, man. Like, that, you know, it's not easy. Like, I, I would wake up every morning just for the rest with Poeta. And we'd go to the Skull Canyon stage and we'd be hanging out with, like, uh, War War on Women or um, a bunch of other bands. Or Microwave, like, playing the Skull Canyon stage. And we would help do whatever we had to do to build the stage and get ready for the day. So. Love that. Big, cool family of, like, just fucking you know just people in our scene absolutely insane man it's the coolest experience ever awesome. now i i guess you hinted at it when you had kevin on like 
it, it sounds like we can't write off Warp Tour completely. Um, if you go back through some of the conversations he's had, I think he wants to sell it. I forget who his partner is or was or whatever the situation is, but legally, War Tour can't come back until 2023. But I don't think Kevin's going to run it. Okay. I think Kevin's like doing that's just an opinion. Yeah. He's not said that to me at all, you know, full disclosure. But I think it's going to come back. I think somebody's going to buy it. To be honest, I think the uh, the Madden brothers, because they have a hand in alternative press, I think they might buy their way into uh, Warped Tour and bring it back. Oh, okay. So that's just my, you know, opinion going forward with it. But I think it will come back eventually. I mean, look at when we were young. That yeah. whole festival is a fucking <laughs> absolute crazy, you know, lineup in itself. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Know. Absolutely. I, I, so I guess I want to comment on that. Like. Yeah, it's fantastic for the scene, especially for those bands who were playing like the 2002 Warp Tours, 2003 Warp Tours, and they were like, have been grinding it out for 20 plus years, like the Bayside's of the world and the Taking Back Sundays of the world. Like, it's a great opportunity for those bands. Like, now they can have that spotlight, right? And they can actually get paid their worth. Like, they can get a nice chunk of money to play this awesome festival. But the thing that made Warp Tour special, in my opinion, is the community. Like, yes, you had those huge, massive bands playing, mm-hmm. but then you also had the Poetas of the World. You had these other bands who were the smaller, the Magnolia Parks, the, yeah, yep, the, yep. the bands that like are just as talented as the main stage bands, but they just haven't gotten that break yet. And that, I feel like that's what when we were young is missing. Like there's not any of those like smaller tier bands on it. And I, I, I wish that there was, I don't, but I don't, I, you know, to be truthful and I understand where you're coming from. I don't think it's that festival is, is built for that. I don't think that festival is built for exposure. I think it's purely built for nostalgia. And I think that's what, that's why they're selling tickets to that. I think that's why that show is the way it is. Because it's not made for, you know, up and coming bands to like cut their teeth and, and you know, get that exposure and be able to play. It's, it's not. It's strictly made for these bands to come together, um, have an opportunity to like kind of share a really interesting experience. But also, uh, I think it's about them getting paid. You know, it's about them. All of these bands that really took a, a, a pretty tremendous hit during the pandemic to get an opportunity to, to make a little bit of money. Uh, the more and more I, I kind of look at uh, when we were young and the more and more I kind of look at it, like w- taking off like the, the, the rose colored colored glasses, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the way I look at it. I look at it as an opportunity, you know, not a cash grab. I don't think it's, you know, like live nation trying to bleed people of money. I think it's live nation tr- trying in a sense to, to give these bands, back some of the money that they lost from not being able to tour for all of 2020 and most of 2021. So, I mean, I understand where where you're coming from, Mikey, like in saying that like you'd prefer it if there were some opportunities for some smaller bands to be on it. Um, But I think that when Bamboozle comes back, I think that is going to be the festival that does that. I think they're going to have their, um, you know, set lineups of bands that are, um, you know, like your, your, your mainstays in the scene, but I think it's all going to be 
enveloped by these smaller bands, you know, on smaller labels trying to get recognition and kind of make this next step up. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'd love to hear kind of your, your uh, take on that, George. Uh, there's, I mean, I have a few takes on it, but if you look at the lineup, like that's like 90% of like what Warped Tour was. And that was when Kevin was putting these artists on and they were being discovered through like mm-hmm. Warped Tour. Like, and yeah, Mike, I agree with you. Like the community was definitely like the coolest fucking thing that we can do to come together, you know, with that scene. And like, we can all relate to, know each other with like what we love from music and pop punk and emo and all that shit i i mean i do miss it terribly um but like if, like i said when we were young like there's like i there's so many artists on that that's like dude they started on warp tour <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like from top to bottom seriously i mean i know like the linda lindas i don't know if they played warped i i think they did i know meet me at the altar hasn't um but uh because they're still young and up and coming but i mean in general, I mean, I get that it's like a nostalgic throwback to um, the whole scene in itself. And here's my take on it. Um, the first thing is that I I think this was actually created before the pandemic. I talked to um, my uh, co-host, Shannon uh, Convoy, who is in the music industry full time. She works for uh, uh, she works for something that I'm not going to say because nobody needs to know like, her personal business. But. She's awesome. using industry full time, and she she has like an I think some kind of insight to be like when Warp Tour was done. I think this was already in the talks mm-hmm. because it's like literally like every single big band that was like growing up and such. I mean, I and I think it only got bigger because of the pandemic because you know mm-hmm. TikTok again like it's inevitable at this point, but it made it relevant again. Sure. Um, you know, when they were playing like all time lows, Dear Maria, that was like a whole thing. And sure, you know, like we've all seen the it. Simple so, plan like, had I, one. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's dude. And it's like crazy. And it's just one song. And these songs are like coming back and turning into like like Dear Maria turned platinum because of TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like Hawthorne Heights has one right now. They like a, do. A, like a a viral TikTok clip. I love uh um, it, yeah. I love the one this what with this wildlife. I think it was Kevin where <laughs> MGK was in an interview talking shit on like new balances on Warp Tour. And he put them on stage with Warp Tour, like where New Balance is like, you don't need those fucking comfy shoes, dude. You're not a fucking <laughs> punk. Bro, I was dying so hard. And like he just made it seem so real. That was honestly one of my favorite viral TikToks from our scene was um them doing that. Um oh my god. But, um, but yeah, going back to when we were young, uh, my final take on it is um, I actually started a petition to get Magnolia Park on that show. Um, mm-hmm. I think the lack of representation between women and people of color on there mm-hmm. are, it, I think it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, especially when, like, I don't know. Like, it's like when we were young, but it's like, who's we? Like, white people? Like, what do you mean? Like, this is just really just like, yeah. like, where's Coheed? Where's Kenny Hoopla? Where's Magnolia Park? Where's mm-hmm. Coheed? Where's Travi? Yeah. Like, yep. And I talked. I, so here's a crazy story. So, um, I made a. So I I made the petition. Um, I think the like I said, the representation of people of color and women is kind of like disgusting in my opinion, but um, I will be talking about that a little bit more uh, with some other people in the industry. And I made a video and I talked to Shana 
And I said, uh, I want to make a video about this. I might start a petition, but I have to ask Magnolia Park's permission first and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, and I said, like, like, there's so many bands that should be on this fucking lineup, like, just in general as a thought. And uh, she said, yeah, do, like, gym class heroes. I was like, oh, fuck. That, I was like, uh, you're right. I, you know, gym class heroes deserves to be on this. So long story short, Travis saw it. And he reached out to me. And I think we're going to be working on something soon. Um, not not right now, uh, maybe like come summertime, but I want to sit down and have a conversation with him because he's basically like um, on, you know, in agreement with me, like the lack of representation is kind of yeah. awful. But it's like, dude, like I get that it's like a nostalgic kind of festival and such. And the way they went about it, you know, you know, they knew it was going to sell out right away. Like there's no sponsors at all. And there's just like nothing that is like funding this besides like the hype in itself. And it absolutely worked. Mm-hmm. But I think they should have thought of considering more younger bands to go on there because that's what we got to do to bring up the scene, you know? And now Agreed. you see yeah. like, now you see like uh, festivals, like, so what doing it? And, you know, cause they got kind of called out about it. now you're seeing other festivals like doing that, but Warp Tour was the staple for discovering the new and up and coming. And mm-hmm. um, that was how that's that our scene kind of, you know, grew up with, you know, being relevant or getting that opportunity, that chance. Yeah. So, um, uh, but now it's TikTok. Now it's like there's other tools and such. So um, I just think that, I mean, when we were young, it's just going to be a good time. But I just don't think they hit the nail on the head with the lineup with some of the representation because it's not there at all man yeah really no, and and that, i mean and 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 that's kind of hard to ignore um you know and and you know e- even you know trying to you know you know that the argument that i think you know people are trying to make in 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 trying to combat that is you know where they're trying to pull all these artists from in the in the time frame but the reality of the situation is you know even though there was, you know, probably in the mid 2000s, a little less representation of women and people of color and, uh, you know, uh, you know, non-binary peoples and all that kind of stuff. It still it still was, um, you know, a, a big part of the, you know, the industry at that time. I mean, like I think of bands like, uh, you know, Rilo Kylie or Raina Maria or, you know, all of these bands that like were very much you know, they were, they were part of that scene at, at that time, you know, like they, and, and, you know, both of those bands have, uh, you know, have women or, 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 you know, people who are, uh, you know, non-gender conforming in those bands and, you know, they were overlooked, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, I do think that there's um, a really great, uh, you know, opportunity for, you know, Live Nation and the, the promoters of that festival to, uh, to kind of move in the right direction there. So I, I, you know, I definitely applaud you for, for at least bringing some, some more eyes and ears to that um, kind of fault that, that they have there that maybe, you know, people weren't really even considering, you know, until you, you put some eyes and ears on it. So you know, for that, for that, that's an awesome thing. It really is. Yeah. I, we're, we just got, I just got to talk about it more. Um, yeah. In, in a sense, like, because it's just one of those things that like I, you, you look through the lineup and it's all fun and Danny, but it's like, they're like the, the, the so many bands off the top of my head were just like, mm-hmm. dude, where are they? You know what I mean? So, so yep. in retrospect, I hope at least one band drops. So Magnolia Park can get on because they deserve to be next in line. I mean, Agreed. they're fucking killing it. Dude. Yeah, like, no, they're, they're a great band. They're, they're friends, friends of the, Friends of the pod, we we love Magnolia Park. Um, so I, I'm I'm 
real quick, I'm getting scary thunder here. Very scary Orlando thunder. So if uh, for some reason I just stop existing, it's because All right, my quick, internet. Do, do draft things so I don't have to do it. So let me let me real quick do this, do this ad read because Mikey's terrified of words. Uh, but this time I actually get to talk about hockey, which is fantastic. Uh, the NHL season uh, has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, Snipes, sellies, big wins, and as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. So new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. So that's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone. That's everyone can play for huge cash prices with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. So as we tell you all the time, download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that easy. So again, that's promo code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. And that is at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And just remember, you have to be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, uh, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, uh, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit http uh, colon backslash slash ccpg.org slash chat. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP. That is in Louisiana. 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text TN-REDLINE, the Tennessee Red Line. It's 1-800-889-9789. That's in Tennessee. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Um, $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. That disclaimer is way longer than it ever was before. Like, what, what states didn't it cover? I know. You got to remember <laughs> that um, sportsbooks uh, and, and sports betting is starting to become legal in uh, a bunch of different states. So um, if you're into, you know, if you're into sports book and betting and all that fun stuff, uh, DraftKings is the place to do it for sure. Uh, if you're not into that, we don't judge. I mean, you know, some people dig it, some people don't, but uh, we're super pumped to have DraftKings as one of our sponsors. Um, you know, they're uh, giving a lot of people an opportunity to win some money, which is cool. And uh, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, they just partnered with AEW. Uh, their past uh, pay-per-view had DraftKings all over all of their stuff, which was very fantastic to see. So yeah, that's what we got there. So how do you uh, bet on wrestling? Uh, I don't know, man. You just do. You do what you want to do. You know, you could bet on wrestling. Uh, Maybe you bet on time of the knockout or something. Yeah, you, like, you could bet. You, know, you could bet on anything. I mean, if what you, color I, pants they're gonna wear? I mean, Gatorade yeah. in the football scene is yeah. All those all those prop cool. bets, man. You know, the Super mm-hmm. Bowl prop bets where you can bet on the color of the Gatorade, how many jets are gonna be in the flyby. If the national anthem is going to be longer than three minutes, hell, you could even bet on whether the performer of the national anthem is going to flip the octave at the very end that. of the uh, of the national anthem. You know, you could bet on that if you wanted to. So, it's awesome. I mean, you know, hey, listen, if you're into betting, if you're into sports betting, uh, DraftKings is definitely the place to do it. So, um, moving on, let's chat a bit about uh, some hockey stuff. So. 
you know, um, we had kind of chatted a bit before we got on the show. Uh, you had said to us that you are just, you know, not the hum- most humongous hockey fan in the world, and that's just fine. But um, the question I have for you, which is probably the most important question, and you said you're about 30, right? No, you said to me? Yes, I am. Okay. 30, yes. So there's a chance that you might have owned a Nintendo 64. Is that true? Oh, 100%. And there's a chance that you might have had the opportunity to play Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. Is that true? I had the opportunity. But you didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. Wrong! Because that happens to be the best. And I would put it up against against your NBA jams, your NFL blitzes. I would put it up as one of the best arcade-style sports games that I have ever played. Oh, I probably I would probably agree with you if I played it. Like I oh. never liked the NFL blitz. Like that was never my thing. It was it's it was two on two hockey. Um, you got like scores that would be like, you know, the Bruins eighteen, the Flyers fifteen, and it was great. It was just so much fun to play. Um, but uh, you know, hockey is one of those things that always, you know, even when it was you know more popular in the nineties, it was still always that you know that quote unquote fourth sport in America. It always kind of took a backseat to baseball and football and basketball. But now we're kind of in a very interesting time, right? Because uh, we're kind of approaching an interesting thing happening in the next month where uh, there might not be baseball, right? Uh, yeah, with the whole yeah. you know, strike going on and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and that's kind of a crazy thing to think about because without baseball – uh, you know, coming in April and I'm sure eventually they're going to come to an agreement with the CBA and maybe they'll only miss a couple of weeks. But if it does get so crazy where there is no baseball season, that means that um, the only thing that's going to be carrying, uh, you know, professional sports in America, realistically. And I mean, I don't want to dog on soccer or tennis or golf or anything like that. They're just mm-hmm. not in the same stratosphere. Oh, no, fo- Tom, I'm about to make you eat your words because Go for it. Charlotte FC had their first game. Mm-hmm. 75,000 people mm-hmm. for an MLS soccer game. However, and I understand that, and I'm sure that as far as live events are concerned. Oh, yeah. Um, T- yeah, it's not going to carry over to TV, but, you know, you can't ignore the fact that, you know, over the summer, soccer and MLS will still be drawing some huge no, and you're, and you're And you're absolutely right. But I think, like I said, of the, the big four professional sports, if there is no baseball, uh, hockey and basketball are carrying that torch until the NFL starts up. So uh, I think it's kind of a very interesting thing that's going on. So, um, George, from, from Philadelphia, which is just a, a tremendous sports town, um, you know, Someone I know. Someone's to differ. <laughs> well, I suppose. But I, mean, I said I was from Philly when I was in Nashville for the holidays, and then like, you know. So you're an Eagles fan? Yeah. And he got super offended. Oh, would you have fun burning your city down? I'm like, we didn't burn our city down. I was like, I think we broke like two light poles and like flipped some things. Like, whatever, dude. Listen, like, you. I mean, you're, you're, you know, Vancouver probably did worse things. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, us and the homie Nick from Chief State talked about that last episode about how Vancouver lost in the Stanley Cup finals twice and decided to burn it all down. But. You know, I guess what else do you do in Vancouver other than you know burn some stuff down and, and yeah, and it's just cold. The There's a reason for doing so. Yeah, it's right. That's really why cold. they were doing it. They weren't rioting; they just were cold. 
Yeah, they're fucking freezing. I don't know. Maybe they have a power outage. Who the fuck knows? But I was, gonna <laughs> yeah. say, I was like, dude, like the, when you're talking about Thunder in Orlando, I can tell you where there's not Thunder, and that's at the Wells Fargo Center where the Flyers play. But when the Sixers play, there's Thunder. But when the Flyers play, it's like it's non-existent at all. Yeah, they're fucking embarrassing. Yeah, like I feel bad for Carter Hart, dude. Yeah. The guy is like literally the best thing we have. He's a prodigy, and like now he's on this shitty franchise at the moment. And I, I don't care if he leaves because it would be for the better of his career to wake up. Like. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, the, the Flyers are uh, Flyers are sliding big time, man. It's um, it's rough. And and you know, unfortunately, you know, every sports franchise kind of goes through one of those periods where, um, you know, you you've uh, you experience some some really high highs and some really low lows. And um, but it's harder to have that happen in a place like, uh, f- you know, Philadelphia or Boston or New York, where the the sports culture is just so intense. And you know, like you know, from, you know, Eagles fans throwing, you know, snowballs at Santa and batteries. Don't yep. Batteries. And, and batteries. That's some lethal fucking shit right there. <laughs> for sure is. But, you know, even, you know, even, um, you know, all of the opportunities, you know, I, I'm, I've been a Mets fan my whole life and I've had a couple of opportunities to go see the Mets play at the, at Citizens Bank Park against the Phillies. And that is a, another brutal, brutal thing, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess they um, they said it best in that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they talk about how passionate Philly fans are and they'll just hammer you, you know. Um, so uh, it's so true. But but you know, but Philly is kind of interesting because, um, you know, so like the 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 alternative music culture in Philly, you know, especially the you know the, the hardcore culture with you know this is hardcore every year, um, and like you know if you look. It's, it's so funny if you like watch some of the, you know, the, the hate five, six videos every year that, uh, you know, they post of this is hardcore, you know, um, you always see, you know, I would say 20% of the crowd, they're either in Sixers gear or Flyers gear or Eagles gear, man. It's that it's, it's a real deal crossover in Philly, man. It really is. We just take pride in our sports and then it correlates with music too. Like that's why I applaud like, um abr because like you know jake's like a huge bruins fan that's fine mm-hmm. whatever that town yep. is actually absolutely spoiled with championships but um you know jb's a fucking eagles fan and like he reps that shit on his guitars and all mm-hmm. that shit like yep. we just we're passionate because we i think philly's spoiled to a point where it's like you don't get there like we're like the kings of edging it's like we <laughs> get so close to like winning it all and it's just like <laughs> but it just completely goes away i'm like this is so fucked up like because yeah. we were sport with, with uh the flyers were actually pretty good a couple years ago I, I remember when the flyers played the blackhawks in the stanley cup last time and we lost and i was like wow i thought we actually had a chance but mm-hmm. um and, and yeah, didn't our homie evan write a song about that tom oh yeah of course he did that's you know <laughs> and, and and he's an interesting bird right because you know he reps philly all the time but in reality you know my, my man evan you know from into it over it is a cherry hill guy right you know so mm-hmm. like like he's i guess by proxy you're a philly guy but like you're really really from new jersey so yeah so i don't know man fan. you know no nah, he yeah fan. yeah he said he you know he grew up right across the bridge so he was a big time flyers fan and uh and all that stuff but yeah i mean like you know it's you know philly really has a has that that culture kind of deep in its roots and that's one of the things, you know, I, I, I kind of love about Philly, but I, that's kind of something I, I think I'd, I'd want to talk to you about just a bit, um, you know, mm-hmm. even kind of moving away from hockey a bit, but just like sort of the culture of coming up in Philadelphia and being so 
kind of ingratiated in that in that music culture. Um, so have you are you when you say like you're from Philly, like you've been in Philly, like has it been pretty much your whole life? Uh, I say it because I don't I don't know where people I don't know where uh, I don't want people to know where I live. I almost okay. like said that like messed up. No, that's like, cool. Times. But um, yeah, so I'm like 30 minutes in the suburbs outside okay. of Philadelphia, which in every direction. Yeah, I did work in Philadelphia Center City for six years. Okay, so that is something that like I just you know for sure I love that city. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. growing up, the entire thing. Yeah. But so, as far as like you you know you saying you know living you know 30 minutes from Philly, but like that's kind of been your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then, so yeah, so then, I mean, for that, I mean, you know, you grew up in like a, a pretty, pretty fucking rich, you know, alternative music, you know, kind of, kind of sphere there. So, I mean, I, I guess like, you know, to get you to tell maybe a Philly story or two, like, do you have like a memory of like one of the first kind of shows you went to in Philly and how that kind of shaped you, you know, in becoming a drummer and a musician and kind of, you know, going on the path you did? My first show was like 13. I was a teenager, obviously, uh, but it was across the river. Um, okay. It was at, uh, it was at, uh, it was in New Jersey, but you know, tech, you could see Philly from where the lawn seats are. Sure. Um, it was, it, it definitely put me into this music career for sure. Like I said, I was 13, but it was mm-hmm. My Chemical Romance taking uh, the used and Alkaline Trio. All when right. Three okay. Cheers, when Three Cheers was like starting to really, really hit. You know the mainstream sure. and be on that oh, TV yeah. all the time. Saw it live. Immediately was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. That's awesome. So, but the Philly Philly scene's got great people, man. Like there's bands like Phantoms out there. Uh, they're on the up and coming or Wonder Years or Goalkeeper. Like yep. we just we have a pretty good collective amount of mm-hmm. uh, bands coming from the scene. And like I used to go to the basement shows all the time. And mm-hmm. like, dude, like you would you would get some you know diamonds in the rough every once in a while. It was kind of fucking cool. Five dollars, two cans. You know, it's shitty beer, but whatever. Hey, man, (laughs) listen, you know, someone's got to pay the band. Beer is beer, and uh, I remember, um, you know, just like to kind of tell like a a cool little Philly story, given kind of where they are now. But uh, the first time I ever saw Soul Glow was in a basement in Philly, and Mm -hmm. uh, they played to maybe twenty people, and now they're uh, they're on Epitaph Records. You know, I mean, like, uh, and you know, um. You know, that's another band that, um, you know, I think kind of embodies the spirit of Philly in so much that Philly is such a diverse place. And there are so there's so much in terms of a melting pot of ethnicities and, you know, and and, and people and soul glow, I think, really encapsulates that, you know, in that, you know, like I said, h- hardcore for a long time, you know, other than maybe like your dag nasties, where's a predominantly white space. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. for a long time. And then, uh, you know slowly but surely Philly was kind of one of those areas that kind of embraced it, you know? And, you know, from that you get, you know, bands like, you know, Jesus peace and like, you know, you know, some of these bands that have, uh, you know, so fucking sick life, dude. Yeah. But like, you know, that's, I think one of the most wonderful things about Philadelphia is that diversity is, is, is not just like, a um it's 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 not it's not like a, a virtual like a virtue signaling thing it's like a real it's like a real part of that culture and there are a lot of other places in the country that are trying to adopt it but they're only trying to adopt it because you know they're getting hammered because they're not but that's Philly, just who we are we're just a community yeah. that's how we've always been though that's and, that's and, the crazy yeah. thing and that's and that's the wonderful thing about 
you know, the, the community in Philly is that, you know, it didn't need to evolve because people said, Hey man, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's time you stop whitewashing this kind of music. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it was always diverse. So I think that's a wonderful thing about Philly and I have a soft spot for Philadelphia, man. I, I've, I've seen a tremendous amount of shows in that city. Um, you know, some, some one of a kind experiences, man. I, I got to go see uh, Texas is the reason when they reunited. And that was something that was super important to me. Um, you know, I got to see, um, you know, I got to see Converge play in Philly, which was a one of a kind experience. Of course, I got to see the Wonder Years in Philly, and I got to see uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, you know, uh, this band called The Progress, who are, you know, um, now into it, over it, kind of, you know, is the extension of that. But you know, they played in Philly. I got to see them play at uh, Union Transfer. I mean, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. So, has a very, very, uh, you know, real soft spot for me, and. Um, I just, you know, always love to get to talk to people who kind of grew up in that in that culture. So, really, is very very cool. Yeah. Plus, you got like, I mean, Circus Survives not from Philadelphia; they're from Doylestown, but like they're a close, mm-hmm. like you know, for sure, native fan and yep. war on drugs and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, quick story though, because we were talking about state champs earlier. Uh, Derek actually wore a Ben Simmons jersey when they were on that tour. I was like, dude, no, 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 you're wearing the wrong jersey, bro. No, <laughs> no, it's supposed to be Embiid, brother. It's not mm-hmm. supposed to be Simmons, that crybaby bitch. Thank God he's gone. <laughs> and he's going to actually be at the Wells Fargo Center on Thursday, but he's not suiting up. Yeah, it's, and that's, man, yeah, that, that probably would have, uh, that would have been rough, man, if he would have, if he would have, if he would have played that game i mean he's he would, still, if he's sitting on that bench dude he's definitely getting through it 100 oh absolutely absolutely and and for for everything that simmons put the the poor city of philly through and all of his consternation and all that nonsense man i get it um but you know like it's funny to talk about like you know like you know 90s alternative culture and 90s hockey because you know i feel like it doesn't really get more like more 90s than a guy like eric lindros i mean like the guy has what mikey like 38 concussions in his life yeah he he could have been up there you know in the the like wayne gretzky and mary lemieux conversation if it wasn't for those concussions honestly like just the power forward forward that he was Mm -hmm. it was uh unfortunate and the islanders like historically wanted to ride that wave and drafted his brother who was significantly worse and they just like tried to sell it to the islander fan base Mm -hmm. like yes we just drafted the next eric lindros when all the scouts were like no no you didn't just draft him (laughs) like this guy's probably not gonna make the nhl and like they actually put like his name on the back of jerseys and were like selling him in the team store and i think he played like 10 games like something it, ridiculous. It wasn't about his hockey acumen, man. It was just about his last name. Last and the, name Islanders, the Islanders trying to sell tickets because it was in that era when they were at their dog shittiest of shit. That sounds very sure. desperate for a franchise. But I mean, I mean it, it was. You want to talk about desperation for the Islanders? I mean, if you just just go, just Google New York Islanders 1990s and you're going to hear some shit, man. You're going to hear some shit. Well, you know, it's so funny. I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard of like the Anna Sorokin, like Netflix show or Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey, yeah. Definitely oh, yeah. Though. Yeah, she was the, the one that um, like, like almost pulled off this crazy like she, she claimed to be this German heiress like that it was mm-hmm. going to have this huge trust fund turned over to her. Yep. And like was going to open this like 
multi-million dollar like exclusive like club like kind of like a country club but like a like an arts centered one Mm -hmm. and she was like this close to pulling it off like she almost got banks to just give her money because she said she had money and like was super confident and, and like like i said like this close to pulling it off and as i'm watching this i'm like Hold my beer. Like the New York Islanders had an owner that got away with it. He did. Yeah, sure as hell did. Like the New York Islanders had a guy that had less than $10,000 to his name buy a professional sports franchise. Like, and he did it. <laughs> like, and he, and he almost got away with it as well. And he was that close to like, yeah. if the, if the MSG TV deal would have went through like a week earlier, he yep. would have gotten away with it yeah. and he might have still been our owner to this day it's just insane. oh god that's so insane i mean this article literally says like it was the most dysfunctional team in the 90s like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> just like just full-on 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 dysfunction um but you know luckily um you know as islanders fans you know we've been we've been through the ringer man and this year's this year's really not not a, a great indicator of you know kind of them clawing out of the barrel but like the past couple of years they've uh they've been a successful team and they've kind of almost for a while kind of came up as like the premier new york team and now this year's kind of the the winds have shifted a bit but um you know it's uh I, i think the reason that hockey is such an interesting sport is that um you know they talk about football and they say any given sunday but realistically for the nhl you could probably say any given season right because i mean you know uh, there are always teams that are awful and then they have a good draft or they make some moves in the off season or they switch up their lines and all of a sudden they catch fire. Um, you know, it, it's just kind of wild that way, but it makes it makes for interesting watching because, uh, you know, the one thing I could say about the NBA, unfortunately, is um, a lot of times it gets just pervaded by the same teams, you know, the same teams being successful over and over again. And after a while, they can get a little boring, you know. But, um, I, you know, not that we're an NBA podcast at all, but I mean, some of the moves that were made, you know, uh, approaching the trade deadline were, were kind of wild. I uh, really shook things up in the NBA, but, um, but yeah, so, um, hockey, uh, hockey, something else. So I guess George, um, you know, kind of one last question just to, to kind of put you on the spot here. Um, you know, did you ever get an opportunity to, uh, uh, to see the Flyers play live? Yeah, oh, dude, I saw him play like at least a couple times. I mean, this oh, was back awesome. in like I want to say 2008, mm-hmm. 2007. Uh, oh. Friends, mom had box seats because of the job she worked for. And we went there. Nice. And hockey is honestly like one of my favorite. Um, is one of my favorite live sports to watch. Oh, I don't yeah. like going to see the NFL live at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just too much going on. Like, oh yeah, it's cool sure. to go to a Birds game for sure. But like, you're just the stadium's like so actually big to where the you know where the mm-hmm actual playing field is like relatively small um but yeah there's no bad seat when i watch hockey or baseball in an arena, or excuse me hockey or uh, basketball in an arena uh, mm-hmm. my one buddy he um zach rothsburg shout out to him i hope he's doing well he lives in florida uh he got tickets to a lightning uh flyers game i want to say like back in 2016 17 or 18 and he came up from florida i let him stay at my place and we went and it was snow. It was cool. Went to Wells Fargo Center. Flyers won. It was a good time. Um, and his dad used to play for the Eagles for a little bit. Oh, wow. um, so it's it's cool. So he's a Philly native. So he's a fan of both the Lightning and the Flyers. 
Uh, but dude, I, I love going to those games. You know what's fascinating though? Um, when you were talking about this whole franchise thing with like how big of a disaster it was, mm-hmm. I was so intrigued by the GM with how or whoever you know picked that draft for the Golden Knights because they went to the Stanley Cup in their first year. At, well, they went two years in a row, right? They lost both. They went. Um, it was the first year. Uh, and they went pretty far the second. And they went year. pretty deep that's the true. second year, but yeah, yeah, incredible. But that's incredible to actually mm-hmm. like pick apart like you know. Uh, players from the entire league in itself and go to a Stanley Cup and actually mm-hmm. compete. That that was I was watching all of their games. Yeah, uh, and and the, the night. Yeah, the, and the Knights were were such such a fun franchise to watch, um, because really I, I think you know a lot of people would probably attest to this, but you know the Golden Knights just kind of picked this like team of misfits, and <laughs> and, awesome. and yeah, but to be truthful, they banded together and they were like, hey, you know if we're gonna be the you know, the, the guys that nobody else wanted, like, fuck them all. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to show the entire league that, that we mean business. And I think a lot of NHL fans were hoping that uh, the Seattle Kraken who, you know, just came into the league this past year, we're going to have that kind of same fire. And sadly they're not, you know, they, they, they just didn't, weren't able to pick it up. Uh, you know, the golden Knights were kind of the anomaly there, but yeah, I mean like bringing a franchise to Vegas in an area where, Nobody thought anybody would give a damn about hockey. And I remember going on record saying it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be miserable. The Knights aren't going to have any real fans. It's just going to be people getting comp seats that spent too much money at the casinos. But egg on my face, dude, because they are one of the most rabid fan bases in the entire NHL. Like, And, 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 and the, the Nashville Predators, another team that like you would never in a hundred years think that Nashville, Tennessee would be synonymous with hockey in any way, shape, or form. But Smashville, man, Preds fans are just out of control. Have you ever been in Nashville, Tom? I've, I've been, oh, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Well, it's crazy. Dude, it's crazy because I was just there for the first time. But my family lives out there. We went yeah. to the holidays. But, mm-hmm. dude, it's literally like right at the end of Broadway. Well, not the end of Broadway, but like where yeah. everything is with Broadway, yep. like all mm-hmm. the cool bars or whatever. Oh, yeah. That that venue's or that venue, that stadium's right there. And yep. then you go across the bridge and, and the Nissan stadium's right there for the Tennessee Times. I was like, yep. whoever put this together is a fucking genius. It's like and, it's and all I mean bars and walking distances. Yeah. And but like you guys like you guys in Philly, like when you kind of created that triangle was awesome. You know, you've got the link yeah. right there, you've got Wachovia right there, and then the other one that I can't think of. Citizens well, Bank uh, Park. Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then Xfinity Center is like still there too. It's always packed. Yep. Yep. Always, oh yeah. No matter yeah. what. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. And, but, we all that, show up. And that's something that like, I love, I, I really think that like more cities, you know, should, should they have the room to build it should adopt that kind of like, you know, centralized like centers where everything could be close to one another because it creates this camaraderie, you know, like it's, it's tough when like you think about like Florida, for instance, right? Like, like, yeah, like, you know, where the, where the, you know, the Bolts play anomaly and where uh, Raymond James is, I mean, they're, they're kind of close to one another, but I mean, like you've got Miami and you've got, you know, Sunrise where the Panthers play. And then you've got, um, you know, Jacksonville and, you know, like all this. And it's like, everything is so far away from each other that like, it's hard to create like that kind of like real, like calamity of, of, of events with like, everybody kind of being in the same place and, and loving it all at once. But yeah, Nashville's Nashville's got it right, man. The fact that, you know, Bridgestone and um, where the Titans play, I can't think of the name are kind of all right in that same Nissan. spot. Nissan. Yep. And then 
of course, all right there with, you know, all the honky tonk, you know, bars on Broadway and stuff, man. It's a, it's a hell of an experience, but genius, but yeah, I mean like Vegas is, is, is growing strong. I mean, and you know, they took, um, you know, uh, a rabid fan base in Oakland. And I mean, those the Raiders fans are insane. Yeah. I know. And, and, now and they're they, even more insane. And they moved them to Vegas and they're just crazier now. So yeah. I love it. You know, I love it when secondary markets get teams and they end up, you know, really panning out. Like it, it's unfortunate in hockey, right? You know, you had like the Atlanta mm. thrashers that didn't really, didn't really pan out. They didn't come to fruition. And you've got a team, unfortunately, like the Phoenix coyotes who are probably, you know, in a, in a short while might end up kind of, moving somewhere and, and doing something else. But the fact that, you know, the golden Knights and the, um, and the Preds and, you know, from what I'm understanding, even though they're not having a great first season, the Kraken, you know, know. I, there's, Their there's so, so genius. Dude. Yeah. It looks so awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just crazy to think about, man. It really is. I'm surprised the Lions haven't left uh, Detroit yet. I'm thinking they should just go to fucking Toronto and have a football team. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing the one thing they're saying about the NFL, not to get too deep into it, but the one thing they're saying is they're really trying to find a, a, a franchise that's going to uh, flounder so deeply that they can just ship one of them off to London because that's kind of what they're what they seem yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I disagree. Yeah, the legit. Well, I, I totally, yeah. I could totally see it. The logistic nightmare of that is insane. Could you imagine that? I mean, it's bad enough in the NHL that you have to go as far as Tampa Bay to Vancouver, which is like literally like thousands of miles. Could you imagine having to load all of these football players onto, you know, a transatlantic flight? You know, plus the Bucks are going to play in Germany this year. Like, what is going on? Like, are we trying to become worldwide? Like, I don't, I don't understand that concept. But Chris, I Chris could totally worldwide. see it. Like, from Florida to fucking Canada that is very crazy. Far. Oh, it's crazy! It's, it's crazy. So. But, but you know, uh, for the love of the game, I guess. So, um, so I got one last question for you, George. I've been itching to ask this to you all night <laughs> yeah. long. So, you know, you being a podcast guy, we're podcast guys. Um, so, if you could pick one person. One person, dead or alive, to be your next guest on your next episode of your podcast can be anybody from any walk of life. Who would you choose? Well, it would. I mean, can I can I just make it and cheat a little bit where it could be two people? Sure, do it. Yep. All right. So these two people were the start of my uh, music career. Biggest influencers. Biggest, uh, especially my mentor, my drum teacher. He's a father figure to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to have him and his son sit down with me in, in the room and have this and just have a conversation. Uh, I don't know how I go about it with segment wise, um, but his long story short. So unless you want me to get in depth into it, but he uh, he taught me drums as a mm-hmm. mentor uh, since I was the age of 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to bands like Lincoln Park and Breaking sure. Benjamin and all those like bands like, you know, yeah. growing up as a kid. So sure. what's he the name they call them like? Butt rock is that? Are those those kinds of bands? Technically, yeah, Nickelback, dude. Oh my god, yeah, I don't I get saw. that. I, I I don't get it either. Tom, do you get it? Because it's just our our buddy Justin from Out of Time dropped rock that from term, and I'm like, just, it's rock, rock from, from your butt. butt. Okay. Rock from your butt. But I continue, please, George. I, continue. I still, that. I still, I call it buck rock. I butt rock. I mean, like three days grace, saliva, crossfade. You know, we can go Papa Roach. Papa Roach. <laughs> I love Papa Roach. Um, yeah, so when, you know, he, he knew I was starting to take the liking into um, 
uh, drumming, and I showed him what I listened to and all that stuff, and he gave me a CD. I took the CD home, and I listened to it. I got fucking hooked. I got hooked on the CD, and I went back to him the next week, and I was like, dude, like, this band is awesome. Like, what is, like, like, how do you know them? Like, I would never have thought that he would be into, like, the modern, like, pop punk, like, alternative sound, because, you know, he's, like, a jazz musician. He's definitely, I would say, at the time, probably in his, like, mid-60s or something. And he pointed at the back of the album. He's like, you see that dude right there? That's my son. And I was like, no fucking way. His son is Frank Iero of My Chemical Romance. So I was like, dude, like, do you want to go see him live? Mm -hmm. I said, fuck yeah, absolutely. So this correlation of the whole podcast where that was my first concert, he invited me to it because, you know, I was so into drumming and I wanted to get into music. So I fucking had the best time of my life. I got a secondary high in one of the seats because someone was smoking something in front of me. And, (laughs) you know, I got the munchies on the way home as a 13-year-old. But Incredible. um, Dude, if I could have Cheech and his son, Frank, like, I've talked to Frank a couple of times. Fucking wonderful human being. Super, super intelligent, super humble. Um, Mm -hmm. I would just love to sit with those two together and just have a conversation because... If it wasn't for either of them, I don't know where I'd be in this music industry. Like whether it's inspiration or just like, you know, yeah, just just having a, a, an interest in it at all. Yeah, I think they deserve all the credit for what I've accomplished so far. I love that. I love that, man. That that uh, that is probably uh, the most well thought out answer that I could have thought of because I would have said. I would have said something stupid. I would have been like, Fry, Fry, Freddie Mercury, uh, or something like that. But I love well, that. I don't want to talk to Freddie Mercury. He's just not my number one, man. Uh, that's what my he's, number he's, one my mentor. There you go. <laughs> Freddie Mercury is number two. He was on the podcast two. already. He was on episode number two, but I really want to have him and his son like sit down. Oh, yeah, and Dude, the conversation we can have could be fucking endless. Absolutely, like, man. I, and I so. think that's a, that's a great thing to aspire to. And to be honest with you, man, with the way Limelight is going, I, I think it could be a reality for you, man. I really do. I think you're doing great things. And uh, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's really, really a refreshing thing. Um, but uh, I don't know. What, what what say you up there in in, in pink, uh, pink sweatshirt land? Dude, you're going to talk shit about my sweet origami angel shirt? Did you go see them? I didn't. I wish I did. They yeah, didn't come did. to Charlotte. Well, that's I your own for my pink hoodie today to this interview, as well as my pink cup yeah. so, love your so, pink cup so, though pink it up though you're just <laughs> wearing maroon repping our high school time pat maroon <laughs> Stump. well maroon my, my question for you george because i've noticed that you pride yourself on giving a spotlight to some like unsigned bands or bands that you like truly believe in that just haven't gotten their chance yet so like not your magnolia park because we've already talked about them but like What's another band that we should give a, a little bit of a spotlight to right now that you've been feeling recently that maybe you discovered on TikTok or maybe someone like submitted a request for one of your playlists or whatever and you were like, yeah, this band is going to blow up. Oh, a band that's going to blow up. Uh, okay, because I have like a I have a bunch of bands in my head that I'm like um, that I that I see a lot of. Um, opportunity for them to grow but i just don't know where they are at in their careers like i don't i don't talk to them on a personal level some of them i do some of them i don't um especially for through submissions um 
I'd say the one band right now that would be the next big thing is a band called Phantoms. Um, they're from Philadelphia uh, originally. Uh, from how I contacted them was through a, a mutual friend between um, the vocalist and I with Alyssa. Um, dude, they're just they're just so on top of their game with writing and creating really huge hit singles. Um, I think their music is like top tier Ban Camino meets Paris meets, um, I don't know, something on the popular side. Um, maybe like a, like a, like a gorillas or something, but it's like, dude, they just have it. They just have it. I saw them play Philly recently at the Milk Boy. Um, and they absolutely crushed it. The show was sold out. Um, they and they were easily the best band there that night. Um, I just <laughs> Alyssa has these fucking huge pipes that she could just sing without any hesitation. Um, but I think they're the next big band too. And I'm not being biased because they're from Philly, but I do think that <laughs> they're definitely on my radar for becoming very popular in the future. Awesome, man. Hell Love yeah. that. I gotta check them out. Yeah, I I think I think we do so. George, man, um, thank you so much for for taking the time to do this with us, man. Um, you know, we from you know one podcast to another. Um, you know, we're we're really, I, I guess the the best word to say it is we're really grateful for you doing what you do because you know without people like you, I mean, we we wouldn't have a platform either. So you know, the fact that you're out there, um, you know, talking to unsigned bands and you know perfecting your craft and essentially just giving an opportunity to people to have a little bit of a spotlight, um, to, you know, do what they love is kind of exactly what we do. So, um, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, we, we really do appreciate what you do. Big supporters of limelight and will continue to be, um, and, uh, you know, super stoked, uh, for Poeta too, you know, ho hope you guys got, uh, some good things on the horizon, but, uh, um, I guess real quick, if you want to just uh, shoot out for our listeners, uh, you know, how they can get, uh, get limelight and poeta in their ears please just plug away yeah so we'll start off with limelight uh you can find the podcast episodes on all streaming platforms including google uh apple podcast and spotify as well as youtube just like the gents here over at bar down breakdown um as well as poeta we are on all streaming platforms uh you can see our music videos over at ci records and we do a couple covers on our personal channel at poeta um, our plugins for Poeta is all Poeta Band. Um, Limelight, um, spoiler alert, I'm not going to say what I'm doing, but I'm actually going to be uh, changing up the entire, um, not the brand, but my concept with Limelight. Okay. It's going to be a lot of cool things. So um, I'm a little stagnant right now because I'm working on like getting LLCs and trademarks. But okay. uh, right now I'll be releasing some uh, videos that I've already, uh, or episodes I've already recorded. And uh I would say, you know, keep an eye out on this year because it's going to get interesting. <laughs> and I appreciate uh, the both of you as well. Um, this is a community. We have to support one another. Everybody has different opinions and influences and ideas and conversations. And um, all we're doing is really just bringing the best out of all of us. And that's what we should be doing moving forward. Oh, yeah. So if it wasn't for you guys either, it'd be really hard for artists to really get their 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 say out there too so awesome well hey man listen we we appreciate the love and uh you know we definitely um love giving the love back in your direction so george again thank you so much uh the limelight podcast poeta 
Really excited that you took the time to be with us. Really excited uh, for what's on the horizon for Limelight in 2022. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe sometime soon we'll we'll get on an emulator and play some Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. And uh, <laughs> I, I could show you, show you what it's all about. But, George, man, thank you so much. You have a great night. And uh, everyone, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. And, uh, you know, Bought on Breakdown every Tuesday. You'll uh, hear from me and Mikey and uh, our next round of, uh, of awesome people to be on here. So, George, thank you again. And everybody, you, have a great night. Peace. Much appreciate it.